We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind of My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo joins me, as always, from uh, the Pinnacle offices there in Jackson. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff. I mean, let's face it, it's summertime. As Mar- Martin was just saying, the market sort of defined the odds, uh, defy the odds, I should say. And otherwise, it's pretty slow. So we'll talk about a number of different things. Um, both of us have some interest in one of the big world stories that's kind of unfolding as we speak right now. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. First, I want to tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you, or you can shop that quote around or do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people about what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you guys. Indeed, my friend. Uh, man, it is summertime, um, and this is kind of a lull for us. And I, I mean, generally speaking, there's a little cliche in the markets too. Um you know, with it, they kind of say sell in May and go away. And that's generally, they don't really like, I, I don't know who they is, but whoever came up with that doesn't really mean that literally sell all your stocks, but the, the summertime is kind of, you know, not a lot of activity going on usually. Um, and we are definitely experiencing that this year, which I will very gratefully take because last year summertime was, that was not, I should have sold in May <laughs> and gone away until October. Uh, but anywho, so man, we've got, uh, you know, we've got, I've got a little bit more time on my hands, uh, in the summer times than I normally do. And which has been a good, it's actually been a really good opportunity for me. I've been looking through a lot of our client, um, client accounts, kind of looking at, you know, making sure everything's on track. We've been doing a lot of investment related work, uh, with my team kind of getting ready for, uh, trades that we're going to probably put in 
towards the end of summer, um, you know, we're always very fed focused here. I think they've been such a huge driver for, for markets. Um, and, and they've been a really good indicator, especially in the last, last, uh, several years, not just since COVID, but even prior to, but, um, anyway, man. So it's, I said, I guess I said all that to say it's a, it's a good time if folks have questions about their portfolios or, or kind of want to see, you know, if, if, uh, if working with us makes sense or having us have a look at your stuff makes sense now is a, is a great time, you know, to, for us to, to talk or do a zoom or, or come in face to face. So, you know, folks have been doing it on their own. They got hurt last year, pretty bad. This year has been a little bit of a reprieve. We're not back to, you know, our highs yet, but we're kind of well on our way. Um, and if folks kind of got sick from uh, the ride last year, man, that's a, it's a good opportunity for us all get together. So, you know, old fashioned phone works great. 601-957-0323. But most folks uh, do reach out to us through, um, through the email, uh, which is info at my P I N N wealth.com. This uh, Titanic story, the submarine that's gone down to look at the Titanic wreckage and perhaps has gotten stuck in the Titanic wreckage. Yeah. They don't know where there's this kind of theory that's out there that this, and again, I'm reading in the wall street journal right now. I really haven't kept up with this a lot until the last couple of days when it's become such a massive story and my, my kids are talking about it and stuff. So I've, I've heard a lot about it for whatever reason, there's this belief that it's caught in the wreckage of the Titanic, which went down in what? 1912, right? When did it go down? I think it was 1912. I'm looking at this right now. I'm finding it. Um, it doesn't matter. It went down a long time. Um, <laughs> More than a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, but they lost contact with the main ship pretty quickly yeah and so they don't know where the where it is it might be stuck in the titanic it might be completely off course they're looking like um it's connected to the mothership by 5.3 miles of cable which begs the question then why not just pull the cable up pull it up i know i mean that's and, I, and there's probably an answer for why not i i that said, I thought the same thing. But they lost contact about an hour and 45 minutes after the descent began. And they say the ship, the Titanic itself, what's left of it, um, sits 12,500 feet below the, the surface. The seafloor is about 13,000 feet. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, and of course, it's easy for us to do Monday morning quarterback, right? Where we say, well, gosh, you should have done this. But I'm kind of curious, you know, if they, if, and I did not realize until you read that, that, that the contact was lost only after, you know, like an hour 45. Um, so I'm kind of, it's kind of, I'm kind of curious about the, why, why they didn't start pulling it back or did they try and it like is hung um in something but then if it's still attached i don't know man i have a lot of questions 
uh, about this, but it is, it is a little bit fascinating and it, but I think the thing that's fascinating to me, like I'm, I'm not so enamored with the ocean, although I kind of realize that it's really the kind of the last, you know, uh, the last undiscovered or un, um, explored, you know, part of our, part of our world. But like, I'm totally fascinated with space and the idea of space tourism. And oh man, this is kind of a gut check for me of, you know, you're really in an uncontrolled, um, environment where, uh, you are, I mean, life literally as it is at risk, even though it seemed like a relatively routine, safe, um, you know, thing to do, but things can always and do go wrong. And I'm, I know, you know, there'll be, uh, there'll be something that comes from, you know, there'll probably be regulations that come from all of this, but, but it's fascinating to me. Well, I think, you know, when you do something like this, that you're taking a phenomenal risk. The only person, the only person in the entire thing that I judge, if I'm being honest, is the, the dad, the dad from Pakistan who took his 19 year old son. Yeah. You know, the guy that's in his fifties, that's a multi-billionaire that kind of lives for thrills and does it going, Hey, I know every time I do one of these things that it could be the end, but this is what I live for. Oh, okay. You pay a quarter of a million dollars to go. I mean, you know, you, you must really want to see it. And I don't yeah. doubt that if you got down there, it would be an incredible experience. Um, I mean, there was a part of me that when I took the helicopter tour to the Grand Canyon was thinking, this is really sort of stupid, you know, but I did it because I wanted to see it and I'm being hypocritical and I took my son with me. Yeah. You know, and had the helicopter gone down, one of the thoughts I would have had was, you just killed your own son, you horrible human being. But I think that's a little different because they do that all the time and the helicopters come back all the time. They don't do this all the time. No, you're right. And I mean, I guess that's the thing. Because, I mean, realistically, man, you we could be on our way to soccer and get smoked by a truck head on and, you know, and, and that's it. That's the end. But. You know, it is, uh, <clears throat> I guess the under the ocean floor is kind of the, <clears throat> the final frontier for, excuse me, for, uh, for our planet. But dude, I would be, I don't know. I probably would, I probably would be stupid too. If, uh, you know, if I was able to afford to go to space and Christopher really wanted to go, I, you know, I don't know that I would have had the foresight to say, Hey man, what if something happens here? I don't want to be. I would have, I don't know that that thought would have even, and I mean, I'm telling on myself, I don't know that that thought would have even crossed my mind. Um, you know, cause I'm a, for better or for worse, I'm a, you know, dive head first into the water before I check to see if, you know, the water's 12 feet deep or, or two feet deep. Um, and sometimes I get injured and sometimes it's awesome. But I am curious. I mean, so they're now they're past the point of if, if oxygen cal- deprivation, correct? If the calcul you and I are taping this at eleven thirty AM on Thursday, if the calculations are accurate, and they admit that they might be off by a few hours one way or the other, if the calculations are accurate, they've been without oxygen or they have run out of oxygen about four hours ago. Mm. Which means they're gone. Yeah. So it's a it's a recovery. 
yet they're not using those words yet, you know, but realistically, if they're not down there already, you know, the story that I've, that I've read is that the U S the, the operation to locate the submersible that disappeared during a dive to the Titanic faced a critical juncture Thursday morning, the point at which officials had estimated oxygen on the vessel would run out rescue teams and equipment, including a specialized U S Navy salvage system capable of lifting heavy loads from the ocean floor were racing to the site. Crews were focusing their search for the missing submersible on an area where Canadian aircraft detected banging noises underwater on Tuesday and Wednesday morning, although officials still don't know what was making the noise. We don't know where they are, to be frank with you, Captain Jamie Frederick of the 1st Coast Guard District said Wednesday. Even as teams from around the world converged on the site, hopes were fading for two reasons. The difficulty of finding the small submersible in a vast ocean and how to bring it up even if it were found. The emergency oxygen on the submersible was expected to run out on Thursday morning. Coast Guard declined to give an updated oxygen estimate. Oxygen supply was one of many data points that rescue crews were considering, including limited rations on board the vessel. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point. At this point, it's a miracle if they find them. I mean, they're out in, you're out in the middle of the Atlantic, you know, off, well off the coast of Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. You're just a long way from, a long way from anything. They, they said they had arrived on the search area about 900 miles off of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. More were on the way. The Canadian vessel Horizon Arctic deployed a remote-operated vehicle that has searched the seafloor and begun its search for the missing submersible, the Coast Guard said Thursday. What took them so long to get out there? I mean, I, I guess... Just travel? If Yeah, because, I mean, those things, you got to think, like, those things don't move very... I mean, like, I mean, big ships probably move at, like, 25 or 30 knots max and so like a knot is like what one point i think a knot is 1.1 miles per hour or something like that uh you're talking about like you know 33 miles an hour and if they're how many miles that say they were nine 900 miles yeah the uh a team of french experts also arrived at the search site sent out a so-called victor 6000 autonomous robot capable of descending to a depth of twenty thousand feet far deeper than the wreckage of the titanic the Atalante, the French ship on which the robot arrived, used a multi-beam sonar to produce a more granular cartography of the site to make the robot's dive more efficient. A deep-sea ROV from British company Magellan is also on its way to the search area, the Coast Guard said, and a submersible that has previously explored the Titanic wreck is being flown in from the UK. says, while there is a lot of noise in the ocean, there has been banging sounds several times, and that's where the ROVs are being deployed. Uh, if you are trapped below water, the standard procedure is to bang like hell for three minutes every half hour. Okay, so I guess they're looking for patterns. So of, it's probably, well, supposedly like it's, a, been, it's been every half hour, and they've been okay. banging. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, so, and I guess what, you may not know this. I'm just me talking out loud. Did there was a cable attached to them or there was not a cable attached? I'm not sure. 
I'm, I'm wondering if it surely i guess it had to it couldn't I would, I would just think if there was a cable attached they just reel the thing in so but uh but some one of the graphics i'm looking at does oh this is saying how it could help rescue the submersible yeah just a terrible thing you know it i mean i think it is and it's i realize we're talking about like very wealthy people who you know if this was a uh, me and you you know creating our own little homemade submarine and trying to do this we probably don't we don't make the news um but there's a bunch of wealthy folks that are doing this and they make the news which you know i know i've seen a lot i've seen a lot of really nasty comments too about uh you know people chastising on you know on social media and stuff like that and it's funny one of the there was a guy i had not even considered this and i'm not trying to bring up any you know politically motivated stuff or anything like that but it's like he's like this kind of like reversed bigotry where uh you know the the small man is kind of making fun or laughing at the misfortune of of the giant um but it seems like it's it's you know and i guess i'll it, it does become a little bit political you know there's probably lots of people that die at sea or die doing things for different reasons that never get coverage but something like this does but i don't know if it's because it was something to do with titanic because it was rich people too titanic and rich people i don't know why things make the news but but it is interesting to me. The Titanic. Well, we have a we have a fascination with the Titanic. Yeah, you know, we definitely later, and, and I, I think it, at this point it's driven by the movie. Uh, probably as much as anything. Sure. You know, it was a it was a movie that everybody watched. It was a highly critically acclaimed movie. It's a, it's an incredible story. It's a romantic story. It's all of those things. It's been, you know, it was the unship unsinkable ship, and then. You know, there's always been theories about what happened and how it happened and why it happened and all of that. It, it's, it's it's a part of American folklore at this point, I guess. And yeah. so, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm so curious about that I would risk life and fortune to go see it. And I'm I'm drawing a massive blank. Yeah, dude. I mean, for me, it would be an an opportunity to go to space. Um, and I don't know, I just, I've always, since I was a, a little kid, just had a fascination with, with space travel and, you know, and I realized that you probably get out there and it's just a vast darkness and you can, you know, see the earth like no one else can see the earth, but I can do that in video <laughs> as well. But, I, I, you know, I'm not saying if, if I wasn't a, if I was a billionaire, and Elon Musk was like, "Hey, dude, you want to go to space with me?" I'd be like, "It's going to cost you two hundred fifty thousand bucks." I'd probably be like, "Yeah, dude, I would love to." Um, I would love to tell you I would not bring Christopher, but truth be told, I would, I would probably bring Christopher, and you guys would be telling me how stupid I am. What I do? What I am I interested in going to space? Hmm. I don't know. It's isn't that funny. 
Like, if you told me I could go to the moon, I'd be curious. Yeah. But I, and you told me, hey, listen, there's a decent chance now that you don't make it back. Would I still do it? Probably not. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. Very sad for the families involved. It's a horrible, horrible to think that you've got a loved one that's probably not going to make it. Yeah, you know, the last the last time I kind of remember a little bit of coverage and like, a, you know, I'm going to call it a, I'm going to call it an accident, you know, involving, you know, uh, the, the ocean or anything like that was the. Was it the Singapore? Was it Singapore Airlines that the the flight the plane, disappeared? The flight yeah. just completely flight completely disappeared. There's a and, there's and, a documentary or something about that. I think it's on Netflix, and I haven't it? watched it yet. But okay, I'm, it's kind of in my in dude. My, I didn't know. I didn't even realize there was a documentary on it. Like that kind of fascinates me a little bit. Like, I, I, and I guess it's just because I'm a curious person, and I want to know like what happened. How with our technology today, how does something like that? How's it happen? How does how do planes disappear? I mean, obviously, or I say obviously, it makes sense to me that it crashed in the ocean and sunk. Like that makes sense to me. But with you know the GPS we have or the beacon, you know, tracking beacons and stuff like that, it just baffles me that something would be lost completely. Um, and you know, and it's got to be awful for families to to experience that to you know i guess the only heartwarming one we've had was was it in thailand when those boys got trapped in the cave i think it was like a soccer team or something like that that were yeah in a cave where the water started rising and um they were kind of happened to those kids did they find them i think yeah they did i want to say they made it they made it out too man we have just gone down a (laughs) A big rabbit trail, haven't we? But you know, like when that plane disappears, it, it, there's there are there there are a lot of conspiracy theories about that, and and it's possible that there something's true, and it's possible that it just had a mechanical issue and went off the went off the grid. But something was, if I recall correctly, and I'm looking forward to watching the documentary, had something to do with one of the pilots was pretty 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 fishy. Ah, see, I haven't even. I didn't even realize there were conspiracy theories or, or, uh, you know, theories that, that it might've not just been a, but you know, that kind of makes sense. Like, or maybe if, uh, you know, a missile shot it out of the air and that's why the, you know, beacon to find it is Mount doesn't, they couldn't find it because it was disintegrated. Yeah. Did they, did they find debris? From, from that one or no? No, they've not found anything from it, if I recall correctly. It's bizarre, man. Yeah, I mean, it's totally bizarre. That's bizarre. So what else? You know, one of the things, uh, go ahead, go ahead, one Mr. of the things that I'm totally ADD, because now I'm thinking of conspiracy theories, and uh, I read in passing, and I have not read into the details of it, but you know, my, my dad is Cuban, born in Cuba. Um, I definitely have a love for 
my heritage, but also read that, you know, China, which, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Cuba is, is a communist nation still that China has set up, uh, like surveillance or spy, it was almost like a, almost reminiscent of Bay of Pigs with, with Russia and, uh, and Cuba. Have you, do you, have you read any about that story or know any of the details of, of that? No, I don't think so. Tell me the Bay of Pigs. No, well, no, not the Bay of Pigs, but like China setting up a essentially a surveillance ba- base oh, oh, in Cuba yeah. to spy on us. Oh, I have read a little US. bit about. I have read a little bit about that. Um, not enough to speak with any degree of authority, without making a big, even a bigger fool of myself. But I, I have, I have heard about that. It just sounds more like kind of the gamesmanship of the sixties, you know, when, when yeah. the Soviets, like I've, I've read so much about, you know, when, when the Soviets, the, the Cuban missile cri- crisis, yep, like how that all kind of played out. It was, it was a lot of gamesmanship and brinksmanship that, you know, frankly, Kennedy handled really well including his brother Robert Kennedy who was the attorney general who did a lot of the negotiations sort of in, in under the radar in private to sort of diffuse the thing I mean do you think I, I don't know we're completely speculating here but let's say this you know this gets a little bit of of traction what kind of impact do you think that could have on you know for elections the election cycle coming up I mean, I think that that has to help the right more than, than you know, the left, but I'm know, certainly willing to be argued with on that. So I have a couple of thoughts. And, and I know we're both just speculating here. Yeah, right? we're both just speculating. We're just talking here on a on a June <laughs> late morning. We're just having <laughs> coffee on just, Thursday, yeah, just, June 22nd at 11.41. Neil and Martin are just having a chat. You guys are listening in. Fireside um, chat. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts. One is that I think, and I don't mean this critically because I, I, I fall in this category sometimes. I think there's a large percentage of the American voting populace that has virtually no real idea of what's going on in the world. That don't understand the China-Taiwan dynamic that are thoroughly confused by the Russia-Ukraine dynamic and why it's important. Um, and, and it's not because the people are stupid. So in, in, in part, it's that with some people. But I think for a lot of people, you know, it's it's very simple and easy to get into a pattern in your own life where you're just busy. You get up in the morning yep. and you have your coffee, and you get the kids to school and you go to work and you come home from work and you get the kids to their stuff and you try to figure out, you know, how to get the tacos on the plate by seven and, and you get the kids fed and, and, and you, you, you get ready for bed and maybe you watch the Astros play or, or, or not, or maybe you just turn on a Netflix movie or you, you stream the diplomat or whatever, you know what I mean? You just, you just, and you don't even watch the news. There's a lot of people, and I've now fallen into this group. I don't watch the news anymore. 
I, I used yeah, to. I don't. I don't. I don't watch it either. I used I to be it. a guy that would watch. I, I would almost fifty fifty it because I always was like, well, I'm between these two. I'm smart enough to kind of ascertain some degree of truth, and so I'd watch some CNN, and I'd watch some Fox News, and. I'd kind of come away from that going, all right, well, the truth is probably in there somewhere. And now I don't believe any of them. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, and I'm not alone on this. I mean, I'm yep, not no. alone on this. The, the the pandemic and the lies that are now proven that we were, that they knowingly told us have changed the way that I consume media. I no longer take them seriously. And so I don't watch Fox. I don't watch CNN. I think they're essentially propaganda machines. I don't trust the New York Times. I don't trust the Washington Post. I literally get the Wall Street Journal and I listen to the Breaking Points podcast. That is how I get my news. And that's more than most people do. I mean, most Americans are not subscribing to the Wall Street Journal. And though they're doing a bang up job, most people aren't listening every day to an hour and a half podcast. Sure. And so they're oblivious. So that's my one thought. And then my second thought is, as long as Donald Trump is in the race, this is not a political statement. So before anybody goes, oh, God, here it comes. As long as Donald Trump is in the race and consuming the news, this entire election cycle is about Donald Trump. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That is that is true so far. I don't blame the media for doing that because the media has two jobs, and the first job has been thrown out a long time ago, which was inform the public. That's no longer the case. The media's job is to make money and get ratings, and Donald Trump makes money and gets ratings. It's true. And so I'm not saying that I'm, I'm – I'm, in fact, I'm I'm on record as predicting that Donald Trump has really – I don't see a path to Donald Trump winning the presidency. Now, I see a path to him winning the Republican nomination, but I don't see a path to him winning the presidency. And But as long as he's in the election, and I think he'll be in it all the way to November of 2024, this whole thing is going to be about him. It's going to be about, about Trump and about – 2020 and about J6 and about the stop the steal stuff and about the uh, Trump talking about Hunter Biden and 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 Trump accusing Biden of, of taking kickbacks from Hunter Biden's international dealings. And it's going to all be 
soap opera stuff. It's not going to be issue oriented stuff. We're not going to have what I think we should have, which is we should be able to have a, a real conversation about what happened. I mean, I'm of the opinion that if the American public would take a step back and look at this objectively, that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden would be disqualified because of how they handled the pandemic. They'd both be disqualified. Let's Can we run down that rabbit hole? Yeah. If they were both disqualified... Do you think it would be RFK Jr. and DeSantis? I mean, I know that this is not a reality. This is us completely yeah. playing fantasy yeah. games. But. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's interesting that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a declared candidate for the Democratic nomination. Famous name, doing tons of media. Very famously did Rogan's three-hour-plus show. No matter what you think, here's what's, here's what's bothersome to me about where we are with our discourse, no matter what you think of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you think he's a quack, think he's a kook, you think he's brilliant, somewhere in between, you don't know, give him credit. He's done breaking points twice now. He's done Rogan. He, I think he's done basically all of the big networks that will have him. And yet, no one wants to, no one in the mainstream media wants to legitimize his candidacy whatsoever. And his polling data is pretty good. Got better. I mean, he's got polling data that, frankly, every Republican not named Trump and perhaps DeSantis would kill for. I mean, Nikki Haley would kill for Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s numbers. Tim Scott would kill for those numbers. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy would kill for those numbers. Yet, there won't be Democratic debates. There won't be a debate between President Biden and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Right. And we're, I, I would argue that we're all the worse for it. That we should want that debate. We should want a debate that's on issues of substance. Issues that actually impact our lives, that impact our money, that impact our children's futures that impact uh, the interest rates that we pay, that impact the way that we will respond to a future pandemic, that impact all of those things. I mean, th there are a lot of legitimate questions to be asked, but if it's about Trump and Biden, it's just going to be this mudslinging. Actually, Biden, to his credit, won't even participate. He'll make a little comment here and there. But for the most part, Biden will do in 2024 what he did in 2020, and that's just let Donald Trump burn out. Yep. Just let him spin in circles. And that's kind of what I do with people who are, you know, in my life um, that are uh, uncontrollable, wild, and crazy. Uh, I just let them spin until they wear themselves out, and I don't engage. I used to engage. I don't engage anymore. I just let them spin in circles, wear themselves out, and and then I just move on. I don't even acknowledge that most of the, and I guess there's sometimes there's merit to the spinning, but most of the time it's, that's about them and not about me anyway. So, but I used to get in, pulled into those insane circles of spinning and take my emotions on a roller coaster ride. Yeah. But that's my thought about it. I don't, I don't, I think the Robert F. Kennedy 
firestorm that he created by going on Rogan was fascinating to me. So do you, I mean, do you think he's just going ahead and trying to lay the groundwork for the next election cycle? Or do you think that he is, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I will come out and say, I don't know enough to, that's why I'm, I'm asking this question out of genuine curiosity, not because I'm, I'm yeah. knowing and leading you. Do you think it's, he's trying for, just go ahead and lay the foundation for next cycle? Or do you think he's legitimately, legitimately going at a, hey, I want to try to be the top of the ticket this election cycle? Well, I mean, this, maybe both. I mean, not to be morbid here, but nobody looks at Joe Biden and goes, oh, that's the healthiest guy in the world. I mean, you know, and when you're 80 years old, you you are uh, you're nearer to the end than you are the beginning. Obviously, I don't, I'm not. And again, I'm not cheering for the demise of the president. I don't want that at all. Right. Um. But you know, I mean, if I mean Robert F. Kennedy Jr. knows all too well that just because you're a candidate one day doesn't mean that you're always a candidate. His his father was a a presidential candidate in 1968 with. Uh, gaining momentum when he was gunned down in in, in Los Angeles in, in June yeah. of 1968. So had literally just won the California primary hours before. Um, so it's that. And, and sure, could he be positioning himself for 2028? Yeah, I mean, if, if I think if you look at the Republican field today, for four years from now, not knowing what's going to happen in this election, but maybe for the sake of this argument, assuming that Joe Biden wins re-election. Right. Um, it's a pretty tainted field. It's Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. It's a lot of people have opinions on him. Uh, it's, it's, I guess, Kamala Harris, though her, her polling data is so bad that I, I, I don't see a path to that unless, look, Kamala Harris could easily be the president. Yeah. This time four years from now. That that one, is not one slip away, right? Well, that is not out of the realm of, of possibility. I mean, Joe Biden, if he's reelected, if he is reelected, the end of his second term, he will be eighty-six years old. It's conceivable that he doesn't make it to the finish line, whether it's because he passes on or whether it's because he gets to a point where he can't do it anymore and he resigns from office and she would become yeah. the president. Well, I mean, statistically from an actuarial, you know, base, an actuarial table, you know, he will be beyond the average male life expectancy. And that's the average male life expectancy, not the life expectancy of someone that has as stressful and chaotic of a position as president of the United States. I imagine that that has to take years off of someone's life just from all the yeah. mental emotional stress that you deal with. Well, just go look at the pic the before and after pictures of yeah, Bill Clinton. 100%, man. And George Obama w. Bush too. and Barack Obama. I mean, yeah, he was and Obama was a young man when yeah. he went office. So. And, and George W. Bush was a fairly young yeah. person when he went into the into the office and 8 years later he looked aged very much. Aged. Yeah. You know, Barack Obama was a, a was a young guy and still a how old Still is a young guy, sixty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would I would say he's probably in his late fifties, early sixties. Because so, oh eight, he was what forty? Was he like forty four ish, mid forties? In oh eight, when he was elected, I'm about to find out. Barack. 
Well, I mean, if that's true, let's just let's just assume he was mid forties. Oh eight, we're fifteen years from that, so that would put him right in the he was born late fifties, early sixties. He was born August fourth, nineteen sixty one. Okay, yeah. So Obama, I'm sixty two. Yeah, he's he's Is that right. Yeah, yeah, he's sixty. He'll be sixty two later this summer. Okay, sixty three later this summer. Sixty two, sixty two. Math, Louisiana Monroe math, not good. We don't hey man, count, look, I'm we don't count. I'm not good at public math. Dude. I have to have a calculator. My clients want me to have a calculator too. At ULM, to at ULM, if you can count to twenty, they give you your bachelor's. Oh my gosh! If you can count to forty, they give you get your a master's. master's. Nice. And if you could actually count now to get a doctorate from there, you'd have to count to sixty-two and be able to spell Obama with the with only getting two letters wrong if and you, and you have to subtract 2023 from or 1961 from 2023 and be able to get it right no, no just, just count they, it they just let you okay. count they would say okay. count 262 you have 10 hours and then if you got there they'd say okay can you spell the word obama and you would be allowed to say can you put that in a sentence and they would say sure President Barack Obama was born in 1961. And then you could say, can you give me the origin? Yes, it's Obama. He was the president. Obama is the origin. And then they So said, if you were La Tech, would you be able to do the math at La Tech? Yeah, they, the little higher academic standard at Louisiana okay. Tech. You'd you'd have to you'd have to be they'd make you count to 90 there. You'd, you'd have to be able to subtract 1961. You'd have from to do the subtraction, and you yeah. would only be able to get one letter wrong in Obama. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's the deal. That's the deal, my friend. I don't know, I, but you know, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what to answer your question. I don't know what Robert Kennedy's motivation is, and his motivation may very well be that he wants to talk about real substantive issues and unlike trump and and biden i haven't seen it i've heard a little bit about it trump did a long interview on fox news with brett Baer, and I, i'm i've heard he was asked some difficult questions um and i don't know what his answers were the the, the I've, I've not finished that portion of the podcast that i was listening to where they were talking about it um but Biden doesn't do real interviews. Biden doesn't sit down and 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 do and, and participate in legitimate discourse. His predecessors did. Bill Clinton did. George W. Bush did. You may not have agreed with them. Barack Obama did. You may have you may have voted against them and completely disagreed with them, but they did sit down and have conversations with they were they were interviewed. They had substantive conversations. They did well, and I mean, you know, dude, I mean, we, I, I think we need that to have, you know, when, when you're right, we're when, not going to get them from either of them. So no, we didn't. I mean, when Bill Clinton ran for re-election, it was a it was a, a shoe in. He ran against uh, uh, Bob Dole. They had legitimate debates. Yeah. When when George W. Bush ran for re-election, it was a fairly close race. It came down to the state of Ohio uh, against John Kerry, and and they had legitimate debates. Um. You know, Barack Obama ran against Mitt Romney for re-election. And while he won the re-election, they, they did have substantive debates. We are you are you telling me that 
that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are going to stand on the same stage for an hour and a half and we're going to really talk about policy. We're not. We're going to talk no. about 2020. Trump is we're going to accuse Biden, Biden of stealing Trump. the election and Trump is going to accuse Biden of of essentially paying off the Department of Justice to protect his son and Biden's going to sit there and laugh at him. Yep. That's, that's what's coming. It's inevitable. And I, if I were advising Biden, I'd say don't say anything. Just smile and kind of laugh at him like you poor soul. Yep. And that's what he'll do. And the 30 something percent of the populace that loves Donald Trump and defends him mercilessly will go, yes. And the people who hate him will go, I'm not voting for this guy. And we're going to do lesser of two evils again. Yep. So that's where we're headed. Right, man. That's where I think it's where we're headed. It's, 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 it's incredibly frustrating to someone like me who is, you know, I'm wondering, Hey, will I be able to retire? Will the day ever come that I can afford to not work? Will my children ever be able to make the live at the same standard that they grew up? I mean, those are the things I wonder about. Yeah. I look at, you know, I look at, I look at the border and I'm like, I think that's a problem. I don't think that's a, I, I look at the kind of culture war that's going on in our society. And I think, you know, when are we going to have a serious conversation about some of this, about where, where we are culturally? Um, you know, we, we, at least with DeSantis, you know, like if he were the nominee, one of the the big attack points on him would be the the abortion ruling in in Florida. Yep. At least talking about issues now. Well, and then probably I would even say, if I were on the left with DeSantis, I would definitely bring up, you know, his feud with Disney and say, you know, how how do you be a Republican and you're and you're sitting here trying to control and censor and be anti-business and like, you have to be pro-business. If you're a Republican, you're pro-business. And that one's a, that one's a hard one to defend. And then look, man, I'm, I'm, I've said this before. Our listeners have heard it. I mean, I'm, even though he's injured, man, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in the DeSantis camp. I like DeSantis. Um, He's made some mistakes uh, I can I can call them for what they are. I can be honest and rational about them. And and you're right, we nailed two of them. That you know, at least two of the bigger ones, in my opinion, that hurt him uh, just now. But uh, he's still my guy. I've had people tell me that I'm wrong, and maybe I am. I I, I still think that DeSantis ha- would have a legitimate chance to win. I think Tim Scott would have a. I, I frankly, I think a lot of the Republican field would beat Biden. I, I think there's a Biden fatigue that's out there that is only bested by Trump fatigue. Um, I 100% agree with you on that one, sir. So, and, you, know, you know, the left strategy needs to be get Trump elect or get Trump. Uh, have Trump be the top of the Republican ticket. That's their best. Their yeah, best chance. We talked about this the last time. It's the, yeah. the difference between the two parties right now is that the Democratic Party is focused on winning. And the Republican Party is not correct. They say they are, but they're not. I mean, they're they're not they're not playing to win the game. And the Democrats, to their credit, it is a run the is, ball down the middle. It's a win loss thing, right? You either get two hundred and seventy electoral votes or you don't, and that's what they're going after. And yeah, I think, pick them up three and four yards at a time. I think they're on course to get there. I really do. I I, I don't even think a Biden Trump election would be particularly close. Probably not. And Trump's got Trump's got look, whether you think it's a witch hunt or not, and for the sake of this conversation, I, I'll let's just part down the middle and go, I don't know. 
Okay. I'm not going to dismiss that it is. I'm not going to say that it isn't. I don't know. Whatever. Whether you dismiss it, he's got a, he's going in front of a jury at some point. It's true. I mean, he's going in front of a jury where if he is convicted, it's conceivable, if not likely, that he goes to prison. Yeah. Does some jail time, baby. I mean, that might be a badge of honor for him, though. I mean, Hell, he might try to run a campaign from prison. God, I don't, I don't, I can't even. I mean, <laughs> such a circus at that point. What a circus that would be. Um, because he let's play the Donald Trump gets convicted game. That's not a violent crime, right? That's not getting shackled and taken away like you would for murder or rape if you were convicted, right? That, yeah, that that's okay. Well, we're, you're going to come back for sentencing, and you're to report to the federal prison at whatever on this yeah. day. Can I'm you imagine Island. Donald Trump's reporting date? Holy mother. I just, there's a, it's, it's the part of me that I keep waiting for the hand raised guy to just go, is this really good for our country? I get it that this is, this looks really politically, mo- whether it is or isn't, it looks incredibly politically motivated is it really good for our country i think the answer is no and i wonder that i kind of wonder what would happen if get your thoughts on this if trump announced tomorrow if he cut a deal in a back room i'll withdraw from the race you drop the charges they'd be done you think they'd be done? I think so. That's what I'd love to know. I think so. What would Merrick Garland say, the attorney general? What would he say if? Well, I if say were, that, man. I mean, that was just my option of we're, we're going to drop this. We're not going to run if you'll drop the charges. I wonder what would happen. I mean, that was my initial reaction. But then after I processed that for just a second, but if I know that, that was a, that's a fantasy question that will never actually happen in reality. But if that actually happened, then all it does is vindicate and make everything that Trump has said actually be legitimate and saying, hey, this was this was always about, you know, the left is scared of me and trying to tamper with elections. And and here's your evidence. I've withdrawn and they're dropping the charges and it would just play right into his hand. And then, of course, Trump probably would spin that and. Try to reignite his people saying the left has been out to get him the whole time. I don't know, man. I could, my initial reaction was yes. My realistic reaction is that'll never happen. So probably not. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're probably right. Um, anything else? No, I don't. I don't, man. I'm, uh, I am out. I've got a, I'll be traveling back from a conference next Thursday. So I know you and I talked about that before. Maybe we'll have a little bit of, I don't know. Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to pray that when I get back and we do our next show, that the only thing we have to talk about is that July 4th has come and gone. I'm, I I hope we have a non-eventful summer and markets stay up and rising and we don't have chaos because we had, God knows, we had enough. We had enough last year, man. I'm ready for a... I'm ready for a break from chaos. Yeah. 
Me too. I'm, I'm, but people should be pretty happy with or if you're opening up your 401k statement on June 30th, I think you're going to be happy. So because, you're not, you haven't made it all back, but because a lot of it's back. Are, markets are kind of bouncing back. Yeah, they have been this year. Um, you know, we're not there. We're not all the way back yet, but it's uh man, we're pretty we're pretty significantly off the bottom. So if folks just if folks didn't do knee jerk stuff and you know go to cash, you know, last year, we're if you left everything invested, you're you're on your way back. I'm proud of myself. I had one one day where my wife panicked to the point that I kind of panicked with her. And then I just reminded her, I said, you know, look, here's the thing. It's two things. One, we've been in it this long. We might as well ride it. Yep. And number two, and this isn't a misery loves company thing, but if we go broke and completely have nothing, nobody else will have anything either. Yeah. I mean, we'll <laughs> all be, right, man. we'll all be, we'll all be farming together. and yeah. Yeah. We'll all be farming and trying to raise our food on our land. Yeah. And keep people from stealing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, Martin, we will, uh, we'll stop there. So this will be our last show for the month of June. We'll be planning to come back. I think to, I think July the 4th is a Tuesday. So we'll plan to come back on July the 6th and have a show. And then July is going to be a little sporadic here and there. Yeah. I've got some stuff going on. I think Martin does too, but we'll, we'll get some shows to you. Uh, thank you so much for making us a part of your week, part of your uh, listening habits, your routines. We certainly appreciate it. We don't take it for granted. Again, you can get in touch with Martin and the people at Pinnacle at mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. Set up an appointment just to have a chat to see if it's a fit, see if you need help. Maybe you don't, but if you do, that could really help you. It's uh, mypinwealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care.